The Titans play the Bengals this weekend, a battle of two, one in two teams. We are going to preview how the Titans can win this game and what could go wrong that might cause them to lose this game. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello. And make sure to tune in to this on YouTube, on the Music City Audible YouTube channel, if you're just listening on audio. Justin, how's it going? Doing well, man. Excited to preview this Bengals game. It's a hell of a matchup, a hell of an opponent. We got a great guest coming on later to help us preview it. Friend of the pod, Joe Goodberry. I thought about not bringing him on because every time he comes on, the Titans lose to the Bengals. I mean, the Titans always <laughs> lose to the Bengals, it feels, certainly since Joe Burrow's entered the league. So, But I decided against it. I'm not going to be superstitious. We're bringing Joe on, and the Titans will either go to 0-4 against the Bengals or they'll be 1-3. We'll see which way it goes. Well, they might be 1-3 on the season, too, after this game. How many Joes? <laughs> Too many Joes with the Bengals. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Joe Goodberry. Like, come on with the Joes, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get into this matchup here. The Titans looking to bounce back from a very disappointing, uh, embarrassing, frankly, loss to the Browns, 27-3. I don't know where the Titans go from here, but for some reason, I do kind of feel like a bounce-back is on the table. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week through um, a slew of just a disappointment. We did mention that the Titans have had pretty bad games early in the season in each of the last two years, and they went on pretty good win streaks, eight out of nine in 2021, seven out of eight in 2022. This week, they are taking on a Bengals team that is a little banged up. Joe Burrow playing through a pretty serious calf injury, didn't practice all week, was able to go and beat the Rams on Monday Night Football. Um, but didn't look particularly great. They finally got Jamar Chase involved a lot more, lining him up in the slot more than he has in his career, and uh, he was able to have a big game for the first time this season. But what's interesting to me, the Bengals have not scored a touchdown in the first half this year. What is the score at halftime going to be in this Titans-Bengals game? 3-3? Three to 6-3? Three? to 3-0? Three? Three to nothing? Like, I, <laughs> I'd be surprised if either team scored a first-half touchdown in this one. Yeah, I mean, I was going to joke and say 0-0, zero, zero, but... So the second week in a row, um, we get an opponent coming off Monday Night Football, I believe, right? That's two weeks in a row. So we got to kind of dive into that one. And and I did come away with some thoughts. I mean, the first thing, of course, that's most noticeable is Joe Burrow playing through that calf injury is not himself by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like, he can't move. There, There was no really not much movement going on in the pocket. I was surprised, actually, late in the second half. They called, I think it was a bootleg, right, where he rolled to his right, and he actually completed a nice ball for a first uh, for a first down, excuse me. But uh, outside of that, I thought he did not move well at all. And they game-planned for that. You know, credit the Bengals coaches. I, I didn't see how it finished, but midway through the second quarter, they put up the graphic there uh, on TV screen, next-gen stats. You probably saw it. Joe Burrow's average yard, air yards per attempt was two yards per attempt like you want to talk about working the quick game 
That's what they were doing, right? They did not run many long developing plays. Now, I do feel like, and this is just the eye test, I felt like as it, it improved as it went on, I thought he started hitting bigger completions down the field. Nothing drastic, but certainly longer than the four or five yards it seemed like he was taking in the first half. But credit yeah. to Bengals coaches, right? Because, that look, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what the Titans did against the Browns, right? They, they knew they were kind of, for different reasons, but they knew what they were up against in terms of we got to get the football out because our superstar quarterback is hurt. For the Titans, it should have been we got to get the ball out because, you know, our O-line is overmatched by this D-line. Um, we got to get this ball. And the Bengals did that. They got the ball out quickly out of Burroughs' hands. It certainly limited the upside, right? Again, when you have all those receivers, they weren't really taking those those deep shots. They were just taking one of, you know, designs, manufactured touches four or five yards at a time. Um, and, and, you know, it could work in the Titans favor. I imagine we're going to see a very similar Joe Burrow on Sunday, right? Like he's, you know, you're coming off a short week. Granted, he, he didn't, you know, it doesn't look like he re-aggravated anything. So it probably went about as well as it could have. There were a couple yeah. times where he got hit or sacked or whatever, and he was a little slow to get up. You can see that he's in pain. But I, again, I think it probably went as well as it could have for them, right? Knowing what the calculated risk was. Uh, how do the Titans sort of counteract that if, if they're going to have a similar game plan? And this is where it gets tricky for me because it's, it's not exactly what the Titans have done this year. And it's not what they do particularly well. I think the answer would be, and I, I think you'll agree, you got to kind of play tight, right? Play a little tight to the line of scrimmage, take away the quick passing game, force them. Uh, sort of to uh, you know to hold on to the football and run some longer developing plays and give your D-line time to try to impact the pocket. Now, if you can do those things, I think the defense will have a lot of success because I think they've got the upper hand uh, from a D-line versus O-line perspective. But, you know, that, that's not really been their mantra, right? They've kind of kept things in front of them, the corners have, or they've tried to, and they make you dink and dunk, and, and they want to tackle you short of the sticks and force you to drive, you know, 9, 10, 11 play scoring drives and think you're either going to shoot yourself in the foot eventually, you're going to get a penalty, our D-line will win one, you know, we'll get a, we'll get a sack, and, and, and you're going to go backwards. But, I, I, you know, I think that's a bit of a dangerous game plan to go into this one with, because if you watched on Monday – the Bengals were content to take those four, five, yeah. six yards at a time, especially in the first half. And I thought Raheem Morris had a similar game plan, DC for the Rams, right? Where he said, you know what? We're going to force you to be patient. We'll take it. It didn't really work. And I mean, like, the Bengals only scored 19 points, right? It wasn't like they were overwhelmingly successful on offense. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think they did a whole lot of shooting themselves in the foot and they stayed patient and they pulled out the victory. So it'll be interesting to see because the Titans also, you know, we've talked about Christian Fulton's struggles. Do you want him stepping up to the line of scrimmage and pressing Jamar Chase? It's uh, Why do you not do it typically? It's riskier, right? If you get beat right off the line, well, all of a sudden you're potentially looking at a, a big uh, play in the passing game. So will the Titans try to force Joe Burrow to hold onto the ball, make their corners step up and play right through their, you know, their face and meet those receivers at the line? Or are they going to sort of stick to what they have been doing and, and kind of force you to dink and dunk? And uh, if they do, that might work in Joe Burrow's favor. Yeah, I think the, the approach should be, and I don't know that we'll see this at all, but I think the approach should be that most downs – you rush three guys, and I'm talking obvious passing downs. Most down, most obvious passing downs, you only bring three rushers, and it doesn't matter if you show four, five, six guys at the line of scrimmage and have them drop into coverage. I think if you put eight guys in coverage and in zones with guys in the flats on the outside, linebackers over the middle, 
safeties and additional, you know, defensive backs in the game and over the top and everything. That could be the recipe. You know, Joe Burrow's going to want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. If you really think that your defensive line is good enough, you rush three or four guys and see if they can get some quick pressures and force the ball out of his hands. But like you said, he's going to be getting the ball out quickly because he's going to be protecting his injured calf. So I don't know that that's the Titans mantra because you talk about what, you know, they like to do. And I totally agree. They want to play back. They don't want to get beat over the top. They don't want to give up the explosive plays, make the other team dink and dunk. Look, that can work if your offense is capable of putting up some points. You know, if you're holding other teams to field goals and and holding them to 15 to 20 points on a regular basis, which the Titans have been doing. You know, this Browns game was an exception that got out of hand, uh, allowing 27. But you mentioned it on our recap. If the Titans offense had played a little bit better, maybe the Browns only scored 20 points, right? But you can't do that when your offense is only capable of scoring, you know, 14 to 20 points on its, on its own on that side of the ball. Like... If you think your offense can dominate time of possession, can convert in the red zone, can put points on the board, then yeah, you can force the other team to to make long drives happen, ending in field goals. But, you know, the, the Bengals kicked how many field goals against the Rams last night? What was it? Like three or four and ended up winning the game 19 to 16. That's the Bengals recipe to win against the Titans as well. And one thing that you don't necessarily have to worry about if you're the Titans is stopping the run. You should feel very confident in your ability to stop the run. And the Bengals have not run the ball well this year. Joe Joe Mixon had his uh, season high in rushing yards um, in Monday night's game. 19 carries for 65 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. His other two games, 13 carries, 59 yards, 13 carries, 56 yards. The Bengals haven't been super successful running the ball, but we've talked about how that hasn't mattered for the Titans' defense when they are good at stopping the run, but they are just a sieve against the pass. That's what it's going to come down to. You got to get pressure and you got to be able to defend and you got to be able to force mistakes and get, get off the field. The defense can't be given up eight play 60 yard drives that end in field goals and expect to win this game. Because frankly, with this Bengals defense and the way they're playing, I don't have any confidence that the Titans offense can keep up even in a low scoring game. Like that's just the, where we're at right now. Yeah, that's the truth. And I, I like how you brought up specifically taking away the flats because I felt like that's where he was looking, Burrow was on Monday, right? He kept looking for his tight end in the flat. Even, you know, Joe Mixon, who's a, a dual threat guy and can catch the football, they, they tried to hit him quite a bit in the flats as well. Um, one matchup that I want to sort, two matchups maybe, and we can go back and forth here that I want to kind of get into before we bring on our guest. Uh, you know, everyone's waiting to see what the Titans are going to do on the offensive line. When Mike Rabel spoke earlier in the week, it didn't sound like they were going to make any drastic changes. And that doesn't surprise me, right? They paid the left tackle $10 million right. a year. I don't think they're going to take him out of the lineup after three games, after one really, really bad game in particular against Miles Garrett. Now, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of defending him by saying, um, oh, you know, there's not going to be Miles Garrett every week. And I sat back, I swear to you, I sat back and said, I don't know that the average Titan fan realizes how good Trey Hendrickson is, like who's coming to town next Sunday. Well, it seems like every Titans fan tuned into that Monday night game and saw Trey Hendrickson put up uh, one of the best performances of his career as the Rams were down to a backup left tackle midway through the game. I mean, he was unblockable. And I know it was a backup left tackle, but the truth is Andre Dillard is sort of playing at a backup level right now, right? So you don't yeah. feel a whole lot better. <laughs> he was a backup truth, left right? tackle before the Titans signed him this offseason. That's what he was. <laughs> right. Like, you don't feel a whole lot better about saying, oh, well, the Rams were without their starting left tackle midway through that game. This is this is a hell of a... a, a, a not, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, but I don't want to say, I was going to say opportunity, but 
it's a hell of a challenge, I think I'll say, for Andre Dillard if he's starting for the second, you know, second straight, the fourth straight week, really, at left tackle. Uh, you, you would assume the leash has gotten a bit shorter. I did think it was interesting that Mike Rabel said, uh, you know, we'll see who we have available this week and take it from there. Maybe it cracked the door open to, you know, if Peter Skaronsky's back, you know, maybe you consider, I don't think they'd move him to the left tackle, but I'll just throw that no, out I there. Don't either. Maybe you consider moving Dylan Radins there, right? If Skaronsky's back at left guard, I still assume it's going to be Dillard and, and Vrabel's comments didn't, didn't really give me reason to think they're considering a change, but it did crack open the possibility. That's matchup one I wanted to highlight and I'll throw it to you, back to you before I get into matchup number two. Yeah, talking about Trey Hendrickson, he had 10 pressures, two sacks. One of his pressures led to an interception in that in the game on Monday night against the Rams, so you're, you're totally right there. On Mike Vrabel's comments, I kind of took that to mean like Skaronsky's going to be back and healthy this week, and we're going to get him back to his position at left guard. I, I wouldn't expect to see a change at left tackle. Now, if we're at halftime of this Titans-Bengals game and Trey Hendrickson has nine pressures and two sacks against Andre Dillard, then maybe Dylan Radins gets a chance at left tackle. Maybe you bump Skaronsky out to left tackle, but I think they put him at left guard for a reason because they think he can be an elite level left guard heading into week three. He was the highest graded Titans player on offense, according to pro football focus, one of the highest graded rookies of the whole season, according to pro football focus. So he's been excelling at left guard. It was just the, uh, the appendectomy there that, I mean, I guess he only played one game, but still the appendectomy obviously took him out of the lineup. But I think with two weeks removed from that, I think he should be good to go. And I think you'll see Skaronsky back in there. Um, Nicholas Petit-Friere is now eligible to practice with the team and work out with the team, but he's still at least three weeks away from being eligible to return uh, at right tackle. But do you even make that move? Chris Hubbard has been one of their better guys so far this year. I mean, he hasn't been a problem, an issue by any means. Maybe you bump Hubbard over to left tackle. Maybe you try NPF at left tackle. I don't know. There are definitely options, but I don't think this is the week that that's going to happen, even though I fully expect the Titans offense to be derailed drive after drive by their incapability to block the Bengals defensive line. And this Bengals defense is no joke. I mean, they... We're all over Matthew Stafford and the Rams on Monday night. They they gave up 27 to the Ravens the week before that. I mean, they, they haven't had like, they gave up 24 to the Browns the week before that. It's not like they've been lights out, but I, I just think the way the Titans offense has been playing and seeing them play on Monday night, like that secondary is going to be all over the Titans receiver. It's going to be tough sledding for the Titans. Anyway, what's your second big matchup to watch? You know what? I'm calling an audible. Before I get into the second big matchup, I want to point out something I saw on Twitter posted by our pal Jake and Ball. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, with league average time to throw, is throwing the ball further down the field than everyone except three quarterbacks. That's really interesting. And Jake goes on to mention how the Titans are neglecting the short passing game. And then our pal Superhorn, who is uh, probably the best Titans film nerd on Twitter, and I've been so happy to see him sort of get back into his bag and tweeting out all the All-22 clips. Superhorn is an unbelievable follow on Twitter that we can't um, sort of uh, promote enough, so to speak. Uh, yeah, he quoted that tweet and said how well said it was, especially on Sunday against the Browns in the second half, where the Titans were running so much seven-man protection with three-man deep route combinations. I mean, I wanted to bring that up because you talked about how the Bengals were getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand quickly. We'll talk about doing the opposite. What a recipe for disaster. If you're running seven-man protections, you got three receivers, and you're running all of them deep down the field. Like, you're just – I know your idea is probably, well, seven-man protections, we're going to have – 
time to run a, a longer developing play because we're going to protect the quarterback. But imagine what happens when you don't protect the quarterback, even with the seven-man protection, and the three-man routes are, are really not even really getting into their breaks yet by the time the pockets collapse. So what yeah. a disaster. Titans got to start working the middle of the field. They got to start working the quick passing game. They could take a lesson from Joe Burrow and the Bengals and what they did in that game. Um let me stop you there before you move yeah, on. Ahead. Let me before you move on. Talking just talking about some super horn breakdown stuff. He posted some some interesting things on the Titans running game that I think are worth mentioning here. The Titans have this uh, propensity to do this thing where they bring in extra blockers in the box, extra tight ends, receivers lined up tight to the line of scrimmage, asking those guys to make blocks and thinking that well we're bringing in extra blockers to account for extra defenders. But this look has his like for the last few years has been really unsuccessful for the Titans because the guys that they're asking to be blockers are not better blockers than the defenders they're up against. So they create these loaded boxes for themselves. And there's all those stats out there about Derrick Henry, rush attempts versus loaded boxes versus eight-man boxes and all that. The Titans bring this on themselves based on their offensive formations and their alignments, their heavy formations, their tight alignments. This is a recipe for disaster, and we saw one play last week. Superhorn tweeted it out from the All-22 where the Titans line up with like essentially all 11 guys between the hash marks, right? And then Superhorn's comment was, when you know a play is not going to work just from the, the look pre-snap, it's like, and Derrick Henry ran forward into a brick wall and maybe pushed the pile for half a yard or something like that. And then there were a few plays in this game from last Sunday against the Browns where they spread out the formation and run either from shotgun or just under center with everyone spread out. No big tight end jumbo sets, no big tight wide receiver formations trying to make crack blocks down against a safety. And they had success running the ball. Why? Because they're taking defenders out of the area where they're going to be running. Like, Yes, it's great if you can block those guys and you can run heavy like the the Eagles with their, you know, QB sneak push formation. Like, yeah, they can block all the guys and Jalen Hurts is powerful enough and they're only going for one yard in those situations most of the time anyway. Regardless, the Titans need to spread out to run. And I want to talk about Derrick Henry against the Bengals because the last two times the Titans have played the Bengals, it was like the Bengals were focusing all of their energy on stopping Derrick Henry and they were successful at doing so. Last game against the, the Bengals was November 27th in 2022. Henry had 17 carries for 38 yards. That's 2.2 yards per carry. In the playoff loss when the Titans were the number one seed in January 2022 of the 2021 season, 20 carries for 62 yards. That's 3.1 yards per carry. If you go all the way back to 2020... Henry had a successful day, 18 carries for 112 yards. That was the last time he had any success against the Bengals. It's going to be the same story this week. The Bengals know that they need to stop Derrick Henry. If the Titans come out and try to run the ball in these heavy, tight sets, it's going to be the same result. You're going to get, you know, 14 carries for 30 yards in this game. If they try to spread the Bengals out, they might have more success doing so. But this leads me to another point I want to get to really quickly here. I meant to bring this up on the recap, and I just totally forgot. One of the things we heard when Tim Kelly was hired as offensive coordinator was... The Titans offense has been too dependent on Derrick Henry being successful. And when Derrick Henry can't run the ball or they can't run the ball as a team, Ryan Tannehill in the passing game, it all falls apart. And like the key to stopping the Titans offense is just take away Derrick Henry and they can't do anything when that happens. And we saw it in the Baltimore playoff game a few years ago in the Cincinnati playoff game a couple of years ago. Like that's been the story of the Titans offense for the last few years. And it was like, well, Tim Kelly's going to come in. He's going to bring some new passing concepts. He's going to modernize the offense. It's not going to be so reliant on Derrick Henry. 
But through three weeks, can you really say that that is a different story? I know the first game of the season, Tannehill was horrible. Second game of the season, they found more offensive success. But even their two best plays on offense were, you know, play action deep shots that were basically made possible because of the threat of Derrick Henry. Week three, Titans can't run the ball at all. Everything falls apart for the offense. I mean, when you're running the ball for minus three, minus four yards, like on first and second down, I get it. Like there's not a whole lot of offenses that are designed to convert a second and 13, third and 12. But I just think like we, they got to find a way to be successful that doesn't involve Derrick Henry being successful. And that was the whole point sort of of making the change to Tim Kelly. And so far we haven't really seen that come to fruition. I'm not going to say too much about that in all honesty, because I think it's a longer term conversation and, and, and you're right. But I, I do think so far, Tim Kelly, and it's, this is not what you're saying, but Tim Kelly has been an upgrade over Todd Downing. I, I have been in, sort of impressed with some of the concepts and the play calling. It's definitely better in regards to the Derrick Henry thing. I, I, I've said this on this show before. I said it in the office and I said it before. I agree with everything you're saying. I just don't think they're good enough to do that. I, I don't think it's yeah. per se because they're not trying to or whatever. They're just not they're not good enough to succeed on offense. They don't have the weapons. They don't have the quarterback. They don't have the offensive line potentially. Like all of these things, I don't think they have to succeed without getting a mass, you know, without Derrick Henry carrying the majority of the workload. I, I think that's just the reality of the way this football team is built right now. And um, I'll get into the second matchup here before we bring on yeah, our guest. Ahead that I wanted to highlight. It's actually a positive one for the Titans, hopefully. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons against Bengals rookie left guard Cordell Volson, who scored a unheard of 0.0 pass blocking raid on Monday Night Football against Aaron. Now, that's against Aaron Donald. But you'd like to think Jeffrey Simmons is not much of a downgrade from Aaron Donald, certainly. So Volson's a small school guy, switching positions, always expecting it. You know, he played tackle at North Dakota State, much like Dylan Radins did, and is now playing guard here in the pros. And uh, you expected him to take his bumps and bruises, but 0.0 pass blocking grade. I mean, Donald was whipping him on a play-by-play basis. You yeah. and I talked about some strategies to make, you know, force Burrow to potentially hold onto the football, longer developing stuff, force him to look, you know, come off his first read, force him to go through his progressions with that injured calf, get to his second, maybe even his third read. You really like the chances of Jeffrey Simmons beating Volson there if you give the D-line a chance. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that that's the one area the Titans are going to have an advantage in this game and most games is defensive line against the other team's offensive line. The problem is they're going to be facing the same disadvantage on the other side of the ball, so they have to be able to to win that matchup by so much that their own offensive line inefficiency can't undo the whole game for them. Um, we can give we'll save our predictions for after we talk to our guest here. I think are you ready to to bring him on? Let's bring on the wonderful Joe Goodberry. All right, then we are excited to welcome on this week's guest, Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Check out his YouTube channel, his website, Bengals on the Brain. Joe, thanks for joining us tonight. How's it going? It's going good. I mean, the Bengals got a win, so we were we were pretty nervous there for a little bit. But uh, yeah, now we can move on to week uh, four. <laughs> yeah, avoided that dreaded 0-3 start. They make a big deal out of these like playoff percentages for teams who start 0-2, 0-3. It's like they usually leave out the fact that Teams who are bad don't make the playoffs because they're right. bad, not because they start 0-2 or 0-3. But anyway, yeah, if, ahead, if we could just take the teams that ended up being okay, like what's the percentages there? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> the Chicago Bears should probably be pretty concerned with their start. Because Bengals maybe look. not so much. <laughs> not uh, because they're 0-3, but because they're a bad team. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Justin, you got exactly the first question. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Let's kick this thing off. 
Joe, um, you know, having watched Burrow on Monday Night Football, I, I thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, he's playing through some significant pain, right? I mean, mm. cr- credit his toughness, credit his willingness to go out there and, and put his body on the line to avoid the 0-3 start, as he put it. Um, you know, knowing what Jake Browning is, uh, would you say, and I think it's probably an obvious question, but you, you think playing Burrow was probably the right decision in that game? Yeah, I do in a lot of ways. Uh, we talked early in the week, you know, before we set this up, and I said, I don't know if he's going to play. And that was really before it was people were talking about it, you know, before they went out to practice or anything. And there was a chance, uh, you know, when we talked originally Sunday night, Monday after last week's game, the Bengals were not confident. They thought he hurt himself significantly again. And he did, but not to the point where they had to shelve him. And they were going to take it easy. They were going to let Jake Browning start. And then, you know, the week went on and things were looking better for him. He said he could move and he wanted to prove he could move and he wanted to prove he could play through it. Uh, so he kept showing up to practice and biting a little bit more out of the apple. And they were like, okay, well, we got an extra day here with it being Monday. Uh, let's see what you look like on Monday. And, you know, we'll, we'll make an evaluation then. And, yeah, he was limited and he's going through it and he can't do everything. And the whole playbook's not there. They're, they've been in shotgun 99.9% of the time so far through three weeks. <laughs> They don't want him getting under center and running stretch zone and, you know, really sprinting out from behind there. They don't want him to move at all if, if he can avoid it. Um, but it, it limits your offense, of course. And Jake Browning, if you guys know, you guys are draft guys, you guys know it, it's not a lot there. There's not, no one in the NFL is excited about Jake Browning and his, his future in the league. Uh, but he's found a way to stick and found a way to be the backup quarterback. It's just one of those things where they didn't address the position well enough. And when you don't have much to choose from, I think the whole team, not the whole team, I shouldn't say that. Uh, there's a good chunk of the team that wanted to see Burrow try to push through it. And they stepped up with him, I think. And that, that's kind of how that performance went, I think, on Monday night. It's like, man, our guy's out here gutting it out, doing whatever he can so we don't go to 0-3. Uh, we need to step up and have our best performances as well. And I think the defense really did. Yeah, and it's it's interesting looking at how the Bengals attacked that game because it was a lot of quick passes, a lot of Jamar Chase in the slot, which we hadn't seen very much of so far this year, and he hadn't been very productive. Was that? Oh, do you think that that was a game plan to get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly and and not have him stand in the pocket and take any hits? Yeah, definitely. They've been trying to do that all year so far. You know, if they can, and they haven't been a high functioning or high efficient offense. They really can't find the explosive plays. So I think they said, all right, let's make sure we are uh, at least hyper-efficient in the short and intermediate range if we can be in the quick passing. And that's that's been their MO for the last few years. You know, Burrow gets it out quick. He diagnoses extremely fast, processes extremely quickly. So when he's doing that and when, he's, when his mechanics are good, which is something that's faltering a little bit right now because he's not getting the full practice time, uh, he can be very, very good. Uh, the shot plays are still missing. I don't know how they're going to find them because they're not going to get them out of the run game either. Running out of shotgun with, you know, two deep safeties, they're they're collapsing on Mixon after eight yards. Which we'll take an eight-yard run, but you're not, you know, it's not forty. You're not ripping off the the, the chunk gains. Uh, so, so they've got to figure that out. And hopefully, Burrow continues to get healthy as the season goes and doesn't have another setback. And if that's the case, they can round into form and figure this offense out as they go. Well, I'll tell you how they find it. You play against the Titans defense. The Titans <laughs> secondary just allows explosive plays like that's what they're supposed to do. Um, but how do you expect Burrow to feel coming into this game playing on a short week? Well, he's, he'll probably still be as limited as we've seen him so far this year, you think? Yeah, I, I would assume he will still be limited. Uh, we're, we're talking 
probably four weeks at least until he's uh, close to looking, you know, like he did the first two weeks of the season and he still wasn't hundred percent then. So, and that's just a guy can recover faster, quicker, slower. I mean, we got to see how it goes. Right. But yeah, I do expect him that with the short week to be limited in practice, which hurts a guy like Burrow that is hyper efficient in everything he does in terms of um, his mechanics and his processing speeds. And when he doesn't get the reps, he didn't get them in, in the summer after he initially hurt his calf. All of those things have hurt him. And, uh, Without it, that's why he's looked as pedestrian as he has the first three weeks. So I'm hoping the Titans give them a few, you know, free runners out there, guys running by themselves, or maybe the jump balls <laughs> would be there because they just haven't been there yet for the Bengals this season. And you can see it's starting to take a toll. It was taking a toll on on Jamar the first couple of weeks, and then he has a big game week three. T. Higgins is chomping at the bit, man. He needs a big game because he's starting to lose it a little bit. Joe, you know, Graver will, will joke about the secondary, and he's right, but uh, it's a very talented front seven in Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? The D-line's extremely talented. Nothing has changed since the nine-sack playoff game, really. Like they're, <laughs> they're as productive as they've been for the last couple of years. How do you expect them to try to counteract what we think the Bengals are going to do? Because we're assuming they're sort of going to stick with the limited playbook, the quick passing game that we saw in Monday Night Football. Yeah, so I'd expect the Titans to try and do a lot of stunts and twists and maybe get in passing lanes if they can and try and knock some passes down, bat some balls into the air, and, you know, maybe you intercept one of them, and that's, you know, could be the difference in the game, right? Uh, the Bengals' offensive line so far has done its job. Yeah, it's a quick passing offense, but Burrow's been hit and sacked the least amount he's ever been hit and sacked in a three-game uh, stretch to start the year. So they spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of resources on it. It's finally performing at an adequate level it's, i'm not saying it's good but it's you know you guys have seen worse we've seen worse i think but between these two teams here we've definitely seen worse offensive line play so <laughs> can they match up can they block jeffrey simmons they struggled with aaron donald as every team that does you know they've they've struggled with miles garrett as every team does so simmons is probably going to get his so it's can the other guys step up can the other guys make plays and that was really the thing for the rams the other night it was just donald and if he wasn't getting through. They really didn't have anyone. I mean, the Rams could probably have a bottom five roster outside of the few superstars they have. So it's, it's different. The Titans should be better than that in terms of the front. Uh, but you're right. Uh, it's If they can hold up for a second and if the one-on-one shots are there, the Bengals are going to take them. So it's just so far they haven't connected on any of those. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, right? Because if there's one matchup the Titans will probably really like you would think it would be Jeffrey Simmons with, with Cordell Volson, right? He yeah. obviously had his struggles with Aaron Donald, as everyone does. But like you said, you know, the Rams don't really have the secondary guys, right? Where the Titans can, you know, you would think can throw Dina Coatry at that, right? It can throw Arden Key and, and Harold Landry, who's kind of still rounding back into form after the ACL. But certainly Key and Autry have been very productive this year. What would sort of the confidence level be, especially maybe with that Volson versus Simmons matchup? You know what? The Bengals like Volson too. That's the hard part. He's six foot seven. He's three hundred forty-five pounds. He and Orlando Brown next to each other at left tackle, left guard is is one of the biggest uh, combos in the league. So they they like to lean on those guys and let them be physical players. But Volson is still what he was coming out of North Dakota, where he's a uh, forward run blocker, not a lot of pass rep protect uh, experience in his in his repertoire and in his in his uh, portfolio. He's still struggling there. And you saw the way Donald would toy with him, hit him with bowl rushes, swim moves, and 
inside outside inside outside moves and back and forth and just getting them off balance just a little bit. Bolson doesn't change direction too well, especially laterally. I expect Jeffrey Simmons to do a lot of that and ex- and try to isolate them. The Rams did a lot though in order to try and get those looks. They would bring f- five and six guys to the line and only rush four, so you weren't 100% sure of who was coming. Uh the Titans have given the Bengals issues with that in the past as well. So we'll see how the communication goes up front. And it's going to be the same story on the other side of the ball. The Titans offensive line was, I mean, we knew they were going to be an issue coming into this season. And then Miles Garrett goes off for three and a half sacks. They got completely dominated up front in that Browns game on Sunday. Trey Hendrickson must be salivating at this matchup after seeing what the Browns did last week. What can the Titans do to try to slow him down in this game? If run at him you can because <laughs> he's a terrible run defender so like there are ways to get Hendrickson to think a little bit because we call him blackout Trey when he like gets into that mode he does not think he's not even worried about the run he is just going for the quarterback I mean he will pass rush well it's a whole stretch zone to the right and he's pass rushing on the left side it's like what are you doing dude <laughs> and they they'll they'll cut off him maybe because there's such a wide gap there and I don't think the Bengals really care it's like yeah fine you know Trey's such a good pass rusher we're not even worried about it uh, so, yeah, run at him, run away from him and hit the cut back into his lane. Uh, slow him down that way. It, otherwise, he really is a good pass rusher. He doesn't get the respect of, like, the elite guys, probably because he's not a great run defender. So, like, if you stack everyone up, you're going to take the guys that can also play the run as well. Uh, but in terms of just pass rushing, I mean, he's one at 30% of his pass rush uh, opportunities this year. He's just killing dudes. And he runs the arc, and he's got power, and he just does not stop. And, yeah, if you're – he, and that's the thing, like teams want to like play action to stop him. He uh, He's not looking at the run. He's pass rushing the whole time. So like you should might as well just have your left tackle pass that even on run plays, because if it's a play action, he's not even thinking about it. That's interesting to hear because I thought the Titans and Graver, you'll agree. They got a little bit away from outside zone in that game against the Browns. And it sounds like it's something they should be running off tackle, you know, maybe in, into Hendrickson's gap. So that's certainly interesting to hear. Joe, this has been terrific, man. Appreciate the heck out of your time. In closing, I think you know the drill by now. We will typically ask you for a game flow uh, prediction, maybe a final score if you're up for it. I think you've always predicted a Bengals win when you've come on here, and you've always been right. So we certainly yeah, I was going to say <laughs> we certainly wouldn't blame. I think Burrow's now three and zero, I believe, against the Titans in his career. So we certainly wouldn't blame you if you if you go in that direction once again. But uh, hit us with what you've got. Yeah, Burrow's got to play much better, though. You know, he's this is probably the worst version of him you're going to get. And then we're talking about a, a rookie version that somehow that was the best he looked all year when he beat the Titans. And then the playoffs, he got sacked nine times and still they found a way because uh, he needed one throw at the end and they nailed it. And then the kicker comes in and finishes it off. I still, having said that, if, I still think Burrow can outduel or outplay a Ryan Tannehill led offense on most days it probably will come down to the other players more than ever though, because you know, last year in that game, they didn't have Jamar chase either. And it was like T Higgins, Hey, go do your thing. And he did. And he took over and they were able to do that. And, and no Joe Mixon either. If I remember correctly, it was my JP Ryan running the ball. So uh, the, the Bengals, you know, were shorthanded that game and still found a way to go into Tennessee and handle their business again, because we, we talked about Trey and then, you know, everyone assumes they are a, cause this was a big narrative before the 2021 playoff game was this is kind of a finesse team with you know the way they put up points and throw the ball mm-hmm. around 
But then Sam Hubbard's one of the best run defenders in the league, BJ Hill, and then obviously DJ Reader's one of the best nose tackles. So, like, they're kind of like, yeah, running on us. We don't mind because those three guys handle so much of it. I think the Bengals are just a tough matchup for the Titans. But the Titans do do some things that give the Bengals issues to at least keep it close. If this is the worst version of Burrow you're going to get, maybe that maybe that split is just tight enough to where the Titans can pull this one out. I still think the Bengals get on track and get to 2-2. Two and two, But, man, I'm thinking 20-17, to 17, really close game. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, close, hard-fought, gritty, classic Titans, you know, battle-in-the-trenches type of game here. Uh, Joe, we really appreciate your time. Thanks again for coming on. Maybe we'll see you again this season. Yeah, that'd be nice. Both teams in the playoffs would be uh, something to look forward to. All right. Thanks again to Joe for his time and insights there. And uh, Justin, it's time for our predictions. I don't know if I'm going to be very different from what Joe said. I just can't predict a Titans win. Maybe we're going to do this dance all season long. Titans lose, I predict a loss. Titans win, then I predict a win. But I don't know. I I do think that the offense is going to bounce back to some degree, at least enough to get in the end zone once or twice in this game. But at the end of the day, I, I just think this team has too many issues right now. They can improve over the course of the season, and it would, you know, it would go a long way to convincing me that they can be a competitive team if they're able to beat the Bengals this weekend. But I think I'm going to go like 21-17 Bengals in this one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to monitor, right? Because you, you you talk about what Mike Vrabel said earlier in the week. I believe he said something about how how you respond to those kind of losses defines your culture. And certainly you feel like they've got, you know, the right leaders that it was certainly within the coaching staff and in the locker room where it's, it's a strong presence. And you heard Jeffrey Simmons talk about how can't wait to return to Nissan stadium Sunday and correct the mistakes. And, you know, typically they have bounced back after bad losses. I mean, they're really, we're kind of fortunate. There haven't been a lot of them in the Mike Vrabel era in all honesty, right there. There really yeah. haven't been a ton of them if you go back to 2018 to now. So you should feel a little fortunate. You, you never feel like that in the moment, right? When you're coming off one, it always feels awful. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to think they've got the right people in place to do exactly what they said they're going to do. But I, I, I am with you. I, I just have to see it first. You know, I got to see it to believe yeah. it. I, I can't take that leap of faith, not against a, a Bengals team that I, I know you know, as, as, as Goodberry said, is probably the worst version of them we've seen in some time, certainly with Burrow being limited. But I, I, I still think there's just too much talent on that side of the ball. You know, you, you talk of the receivers versus the corners. You look at how Joe Burrow pulled that out on Monday. I guess, you know, a Rams team that I thought played okay on both sides of the ball. And that's just still, I think, a championship contending team in Cincinnati. And I expect them to right the ship and win the division and, and go fairly far. So, uh, until the Titans show me that they can beat this team, uh, until they show me they can bounce back from that loss, I've got to go with the Bengals for now. I, I've got a pretty similar score. I don't even remember what Joe said already. I heard what you said, but I think I probably go 23-17 Bengals. And it's funny you mentioned the Rams game there because I, I honestly think this is going to be a similar looking game. It's going to come down to the end. The Titans are either going to need a stop or they're going to need a drive. And if the offensive line can't hold up, which we saw was the undoing of the Rams on Monday night, was that Matthew Stafford just couldn't get a, escape the pressure at the end of the game there when they needed a play. I think we're going to see something similar. You know, Titans could have the ball down three, down four, something like that with a few minutes to go in the game. 
needing that one drive, and I would guess that it ends in a sack and a failed fourth down or something. Like that's how I would predict it goes. But you know, there's always hope, and I don't mean to be a downer here at the end of the podcast. So if you disagree, which I hope you do, let us know in the comments below. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, the Music City Audible Podcast. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. Thanks again to our guest, Joe Goodberry. You can follow him at Joe Goodberry. We will be back next week to recap this game. Check out the film breakdown that went up on Tuesday evening, how Miles Garrett wrecked the Titans. Something I discovered in this game, the Titans had a few plays. They had a handful of plays that were set up for success. And Miles Garrett single-handedly ruined those plays. So go check out that film breakdown to see how the Titans had the offense set up, how they could have done something well, and how it was just Andre Dillard versus Miles Garrett, ultimately, that it was the undoing of the entire offense. So we'll be back, like I said, next week. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.